Hi, this is Bob Williamson. Bright eyes. One of the things I enjoy most in life is conversing in virtually any format, verbally, phone, or email, with intelligent people. I have often counseled junior managers to try and hire the most intelligent team members they can find and that one can always spot this characteristic by looking into their eyes. I call this phenomenon having bright eyes. It does not matter what other physical characteristics they might possess or what they might happen to be wearing. When you look into their eyes and they seem to be dancing with life, then chances are good they will be a keeper. The Bible refers to our eyes as windows of the soul, and bright eyes illustrates that concept to me. Early in my entrepreneurial career, when I just began developing software for my own companies, I had a programmer who worked for me who had bright eyes. In his case, they were steely blue bright eyes. Aside from that, he was a mess. He did always have a smile on his face. However, unfortunately, it revealed his teeth, which were very bad. He was tall and gangly looking, reminiscent of being cut from the Abraham Lincoln mold. He dressed like a rough-looking farmhand, and his ears were the size of mud flaps on a truck, stuck straight out. His bad haircut must have cost all of $2, and he put true meaning to the expression cowlick, as his hair appeared as though a cow might have licked it in several places, and it was invariably sticking straight up, especially on the back of his head with numerous sprigs of hair that had a mind of their own and went in several directions. I have to this day never had a closer friend or more respect for anyone than Bobby Joe Crowley. He was smart as a whip and could not only understand everything I was telling him in regard to the design of the software that I envisioned and desired, a feat in itself. He nearly always had, a great, had great suggestions that would improve it. I've never been easy to directly work for, and yet Bobby did not have any problems in getting along with me. And we had a mutual, unspoken, but well-understood respect for each other to the utmost. Back in the days when we worked together, software was not commercially available yet, and we were pioneers. Believe it or not, the first computer I bought for our company had a 16K hard drive in it. That's right. I said 16K and not 16 megabytes. And I did intend to refer to the tiny hard drive storage and not RAM 16K hard drive. We advanced to 286 and then the 386 and then the 486 and wow, the powerful 586. We had a blast together and our, our DOS software 
was a technological revolution made life far easier for those in our company. The supply chain software that handles inventory, procurement, distribution, production, fixed asset management that our company sold a decade later to entities like the Department of Defense has its roots in our early efforts. And although the technology and speed has long since changed dramatically, surprisingly, the business processes that are utilized, as well as the look and feel and basic functionality, have not changed much at all. Bobby Joe would be proud. One day, Bobby came in, he leaned over a desk, and I noted a large lump on his back showing through his T-shirt. I asked what it was. He related it was a mold, and it had enlarged, and was also bleeding some. I asked if he'd been to a doctor, and he replied that he hated going to the doctors, and besides, he had not had time. I screamed at him so loud that half the employees in our office and a few from the warehouse came running into my office to see what was wrong. I called my dermatologist right then and there and convinced him to see Bobby not only that day, but right now. He had emergency surgery the next day, and they removed the largest melanoma tumor from his back that my doctor had ever seen. Melanoma is an ugly, malignant, invasive, vicious, and particularly aggressive and insidious form of cancer. And Bobby went down fast. In just a few short weeks, he was in the hospital, and his end was very near. I could not bear to see him in that condition, but I forced myself to go see him anyway. The cancer, of course, had gone into his lymphatic system and spread throughout his body to invade his kidneys, liver, lungs, and brain. He was yellow as a gourd from liver failure, and his giant frame was emaciated to the point that I barely recognized him. He was lying very still in his bed when I walked in. He looked at me, with those dimming but strangely still-lit bright eyes and managed a weak smile and coarsely whispered, this is hell. At that moment, I felt the greatest amount of compassion I'd ever felt for anyone before or since. This is my closest friend in the entire world, someone whom I admired and respected, and someone with whom I had spent literally thousands of hours in the close daily contact for the past seven years, working on projects together, which we both loved. His forehead was covered with sweat, and I got a towel and dampened it and lightly mopped his brow with it, and then gently pushed back his sweat-soaked hair from his face. His bright eyes were weak, but I could see his appreciation for what I had done. We talked for a long time, reminiscing about happier days and funny things that we had seen and done together. He was in tremendous pain, and so was I. It hurt so much for me to see him in that condition that mere words are inadequate to describe it.
I read one time that Mother Teresa, who worked with the poorest and most depraved souls in all the world, including lepers and the worst of the worst in the horrible slums of Calcutta, India, was asked how she could bear to work around these poor souls and look into the eyes of those who were suffering so horribly as she held them in her arms and literally watched as they succumbed to death. And she replied that she could see the face of Jesus whenever she looked at their faces. I can relate to that feeling as I looked at my friend's suffering that day. My friend mercifully died after my last visit and is now in heaven with Jesus, far removed from suffering, pain, sorrow, and the grief that I still feel. I grieve him to this day and tell you that the tears are in my eyes as I write these words. However, I should be quick to point out that I grieve for myself and not for Bobby Joe, who is enjoying heaven. I really miss my friend, who was truly one of the good guys. I miss our favorite pastime of intellectual sparring and engagement and figuring out how to resolve tough problems together. Bobby and I talked many times about Jesus Christ, and I know that he accepted him upon faith. I have no doubt he is right now smiling that wonderful smile as he sits at the feet of Jesus Christ and attentively listens as Jesus explains some of the mysteries of the world to him. And he is no doubt enjoying every second of it with that wonderful, keen, and inquisitive mind. I have no doubt that the fire and sparkle has been restored in those wonderful bright eyes. I have close friends who are dealing with broken hearts and gut-wrenching grief stemming from similar situations. I urge you to try your utmost to focus, as I do, on the reunion and not the departure. Sometime in the not-too-distant future, I'll rejoin Bobby, and like old times, he will excitedly come over to me and start talking 90 miles an hour briefing me on all that he has learned, and we will pick up where we left off for the rest of eternity. Hopefully, God will allow us to work together on a project of great import to him. We will enjoy and marvel together at the mystery after mystery being unlocked and patiently explained by Jesus Christ. We and other good friends and relatives will enjoy eternity together with no further interruptions, from, free from Satan and his sufferings and misery. To be sure, the Bible emphatically tells us that we must suffer for a while, but it states that it cannot even be compared to the glory that is coming. Thanks to God's limitless and abounding grace, which will endure forever. Be patient, my friends. Good times will replace the suffering you now endure before you know it. Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. This is Bob Williamson. Thanks for listening.